If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Afrotech 2019, Oakland, California. Arv Grissel is founder and CVO at Vibe Heavy, a creative collective of entertainment and technology innovators based in the heart of Seattle. He's partnered with world-class brands like Microsoft, Salesforce, Netflix, and more to deliver engaging experiences in both the digital and physical world. He's on an Afrotech stage talking about securing the bag with riding waves that are proving themselves out. Building on traction versus chasing trending tech. One of the things I want to focus on is trends versus traction. You come to tech conferences, everybody wants to work on the sexy stuff, right? AI, uh, AR, VR, chatbots, natural language processing, right? Like, oh yeah, it's all sexy. But that stuff doesn't have, tra- doesn't have traction, right? And when I talk about mass market adoption, I talk about enterprise companies. When an enterprise company wants to buy something and resell it, it has mass market adoption. If we only talking about M's and not B's, I'm not interested, right? Because when, when an ecosystem has billions and trillions of dollars flowing through it, then there's a lot of things you can go swim in the wake of. If you're trying to rush to the top and be the first cat on AR or VR and all that other stuff, it might not even happen. And usually black people don't have the resources to throw things at it and hope that it's gonna work out for them. So I wanna focus on traction. I'm Will Lucas, Mrs. Black Tech, Green Money. I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Sterling Smith is founder at Sandbox Commerce, which helps store owners launch e-commerce apps without having to learn the code, and in less than 10 minutes. So many black retailers are already left behind with present day tech. 
So I asked Sterling about the future of retail and what it might look like to see if there's a lane black people can specifically play in to position ourselves for success with e-commerce and retail. Yeah, the, the future of retail, a couple things that jump out when you hear, but when, you're, when I'm asked about the future retail um, is headless commerce. Um, retailers want freedom. Retailers want flexibility. They want, to, they want the ability to say, hey, I'm with Shopify one day, but Shopify isn't allowing me to service my customers in this way using this third-party integration partner. So let me go to Big Commerce, and they want minimal to zero lag time, downtime. Um, so they want their site to be able to. They want to be able to continue to transact with their customers. They want to be able to leverage their the data and own their customer data. And uh, you know, technologies like Sandbox Commerce allow for growing brands and retailers to do that in the same way that large uh, brands and retailers that you might find in Nordstrom, um, Neiman Marcus and the such and the like. So yeah, that's the future of retail. As a broad answer, but we can, we can dive yeah, a little deeper yeah, later. Yeah, and we'll go deeper because I think so much about like, you know, transactions is one thing. So if you've got the Shopify account, you've got WooCommerce popping, or you know, you're using any of these platforms, like getting the transaction done is one thing. With so many of our, specifically black entrepreneurs, those startups, um, they're shipping from their living room. You know, they're printing, you know, uh, UPS labels and boxing up yes. out of their garage. Um, yes. So when you think about the transactions being in one bucket, how do we also manage our deliverables? Because okay, it's, you got my money now. I want to know where my stuff is at. Yes. Yeah. I mean, tools like ShipStation, Shipping Easy, um, a couple of these, both, both of these are, are fulfillment uh, solutions that really enhance the fulfillment process, allowing you to really take, you know, um, uh, more control over the fulfillment process. You know, tools like Sandbox Commerce, again, allowing you to inform customers uh, about the, using push notifications about the status of the product that you shipped from your new mobile app that would have cost you $100,000 to build last year, but you're paying $100 a month to build a mobile app using our technology. And you know solutions like that, that really democratize access to technology like ours uh, for people who are frankly shipping products from their living room. I kind of imagine what your answer might be to this, but I'm interested in like the inception of the idea here because um, so many black businesses get left behind technologically just because we can't keep up. You know, we, right. you know, we talk about the funding that goes to black owned businesses, huge disparity there. Right. Um, and then you think about there was an SBA study that came out. I think there's the last time they did, it was like 2013 and it said 80% of black owned businesses and well, my ethnic minority owned businesses are in the bottom 20% of industries for revenue. So we over index on like dry cleaners and lawn care services and car washes and et cetera. The, our 80% of our businesses are in these bottom 20% of categories for sales revenue. Talk about like the mission, like what was the idea? Because I imagine what the mission was is to help us do better business. But like what, like right. what happened <clears throat> that you said, you know, this is a problem I want to help solve to help you know, give some balance to black owned businesses. Right. And that's a great question. I'll tell you, I, I went from being a software engineer at Walmart was my first job out of school. Um, Lockheed Martin living in Doha, Qatar was my second job at, at a school and then Booz Allen Hamilton in DC. And for each of those custom, uh, companies, there were uh, a lot of things that a lot of, um, 
a lot of shared attributes that I picked up along the way that helped inform my decision to start Sandbox Commerce. Uh, before, you know, the, the bridge between corporate, uh, working as a, an engineer, individual contributor at those companies to starting Sandbox Com Commerce included a step in between where I started my first company, an agency called Launch Partner. And Launch Partner, the, the motto there still is, if it takes longer than eight weeks to build, it's probably not an MVP. Mm. And so today we've, I think, built 85 MVPs and they're, and they're still cooking. Uh, I'm, I'm no longer involved in the day-to-day, -day, but I'm a whole owner of the company. Uh, super, super excited about that. Whole nother conversation. Yeah. But um, in my experience building and growing Launch Partner, one of the first things I, that I noticed that um, we, that I needed was a team. And I think one of the answers to that question is that a lot of um, black owned businesses, in many cases, not speaking, I don't want to speak too broadly, but they lack a team. You got to build coalitions. You got to be able to convince people that, you know, you, you're, you want to solve a, a bigger problem than yourself. Um, and I think that's number one. Um, but where I learned that we may be onto something bigger. There may be a big opportunity in helping early stage and growing brands and retailers build mobile apps using technology was when we were approached by not, not just one, but multiple, um, you know, diverse led retailers expressing interest in, interest in building a mobile app for their brand. And at launch partner wearing my consultant hat and really kind of it would cost them upwards of 50,000 and usually on average around $120,000 to launch a mobile app. And in 2021, that sounds foolish because there should be technology that allows, you know, a growing uh, aspirational, you know, brand and retailer to operate and take advantage of data, take advantage of push notifications, take advantage of curbside pickup technology that the larger brands are crushing it with um, they should be able to do that as well. And so enter Sandbox Commerce. It started this really ugly, really clunky, embarrassing, really, um, no code mobile app builder before no code was a hashtag before yeah, yeah. headless commerce was a hashtag. We started, um, we, we built out an MVP. I think it was 10 weeks. If I'm being honest, it, we built out something that demonstrated the capability and ever since then have just been iterating on that. Uh, and so the inception, was we you know we started sandbox to help those to help democratize access you've heard that a lot that but it's true access to the technology that helps retailers um specifically for this conversation diverse led uh founders black founders reach their audience and actually provide a lot of the services that larger brands and retailers leverage yeah, you, you touched on a few things that I want to come back to, but I, I want to continue setting the stage here because this, the, the story is so interesting. And, you know, you talked about democratizing, you know, the, the competitive landscape for retail, right? For, for yep. ethnic led, black led, you know, companies and retailers. Certainly. But there's also, you know, in your in your startup story, like what plays out in so many black led companies, like a funding you know, issue with just trying to get yes. going yourself. So you've got this great product, but how do you get it capitalized to get to market? And so let's talk about, just because I, I want to jump on this before we get too far into um, the sandbox, let's talk about black freelancer because you took your skills and said, you know what, I'm building this startup. Let me go hustle my skills elsewhere to continue paying for this startup. Let's talk about Come that. Come on, yeah. 
If I told you that I had five jobs, do you think I was telling the truth or lying? Five job, five job. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, it's, right. not even, it's not, it's not, even, it's not even fake. It's real. So effectively there was a point along this journey and shout out to my day ones. We have some awesome day one investors. Um, I don't want to call them out because they might get blown up, but we have, there are people who get it and who saw the vision early on uh, a very diverse collection of um, former founders and industry experts who are like, oh, this guy building this company, we went in. And shout out to all those people that came in early. Um, and um, yeah, and so we raised an angel round, uh, just over 700,000, not including what I put in myself. And it didn't happen. The problem is, is for many diverse founders, that 700,000 doesn't come in right away. That 700,000 came over a period of three to four years. And when you think about raising funding and you think about piecing together, you know, $700,000 and you're getting $65,000 or $80,000 in a year, it's more, it feels more like a, a, a salary of in, a, more than an investment in the company. But again, not discounting those investments, but in order to really swing for the fences, you have to be like our competitor who in half that time raised $20 million with, with a, showing a lot less. And so you said it, you know, most, many black founders don't get the funding that our counterparts who are white get, right? And so um, there was a period where I realized after just, you know, bumping, running into the same wall over and over again, that um, in order for me to be successful and large in part for a lot of black founders to be successful, we can't follow the route that they teach you in, the, in, in MBA school or in, you know, tech stars or some of the, some, some of the other accelerators that say, oh, if you just call a hundred people, you know, uh, a certain percentage of those people will write checks. And is, if you, you know, write your pitch date, your pitch deck in this specific manner, it's going to happen. Most of my, most of my peers who I break bread with multiple times a week, we talk about this. They all agree that we have to take a non-conventional approach to fundraising, whether that's making more phone calls or, writing memos, memorandums. I know that a lot of my peers have done that, which is uh, a very kind of bleeding edge approach to fundraising today. For me, I found that after, uh, you know, speaking to the next level of investors, these institutional investors that said um, no to me with more traction, more revenue, more experience, and then said yes with $20 million in funding to my competitor, I said, okay, we got to do something different. So what did I do? I started, I, I created an Upwork account and I started freelancing. And within 12 months, I'm not gonna put it on the record what kind of monthly um, income I was pulling in toward the end of 20, uh, 2020, just into this last year, because I started in Jan I started sterlingsmith.dev is my website, where I basically highlighted what I'm good at as an engineer and had a call to action. If you wanna, if you wanna work with me, visit sterlingsmith.dev and you can work with me. And over time, I created an Upwork account that I, I initially had to use a white person's photograph to start winning bids. Okay, and then after, and then they they made me eventually validate my ID using a picture, et cetera. But by, the, by that point, I had five stars and was doing five figures a month in and side projects. And some of them were fractional CTO roles, other were others were engineering roles. But toward the end of last year, closed out the end of last year with about with working actively on about six projects, um, all in the tech space um, and ended up um, going on full time with a, a with a company that said Sterling, 
we just want you to keep doing what you're doing. You can keep your job uh, for, for the time being. You can, here's, here's one person, you know, here's an equity in the company. Um, and here's unlimited vacation while you continue to work, you know, uh, deliver, um, you know, uh, with this company. But between that and the other businesses that I own, literally at one point in time, was working on five projects at, at once. Um, and so that's what it's taken to really fund the company. So inner black freelancer, to, the, to your point, inner black freelancer, I said, hey, why aren't more diverse founders doing this? Because there is a way to self-fund your business um, when you are faced with the reality, like I was and many of my peers are, that the funding is either gonna come, it's gonna take a lot longer to get it, or it's not gonna come at all in some cases. So do for self and let's go out there and get it ourselves and let's, let's break bread with each other. And so that's where Black Freelancer um, started. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a project that really encourages, uh, you know, it's upwork for Black Freelancers. Many people that I've worked with over the last year and along the way have said, where can I find more Black Freelancers? We want diverse teams, but they don't really want diverse teams. Well, if you're really look, looking for diverse teams, remember blackfreelancer.com, you can go and find you can choose from a list of over 1,200 Black freelancers across the spectrum. And that's only been the past three months that it's been, the beta has been live. So that's where Black Freelancer uh, came about. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of Black businesses do the same. So I want every Black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million Black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the Black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have Black ownership. This program gives Black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The one million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements. 
along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Yeah, so I hear you saying, you know, you had better technology than your counterpart who raised, you know, 20 times, you know, essentially what you were able to raise. 20 times plus. I mean, it's it's more than that. Um, But but tech's supposed to be a meritocracy. Silicon Valley's supposed to be a meritocracy. No? Right. Right. What like, is it? What's happening here? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. No. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to bite. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the reality is, is that, you know, I um, in, in, the, in the earliest stages, my competitor raised two or three million dollars without a product to mm, show. Mm. So so it's it's and we had a product to show again. We were running about six months earlier than them. Uh, they came about they, they rolled out. And by the way, the CEO of that company signed up for my product to snoop around before he even wrote anything. And we knew it. We and I called him up, and because I was like, "This is kind of fishy." And I, those are the days where I was calling every new customer. And uh, I called him up, and he told me his name, and I and I found out who he was, and and I was like, "Okay, well, you, you know, let's let's just continue to do what we're doing." Of course, we locked it down and restricted things more after that, but. The long story short is that it's it, it this game's not fair. It's not going to be fair. That's that can't be a reason why we don't succeed. Um, so that's that's the this you know uh, Silicon Valley um, is uh, definitely not a meritocracy. I think it's it's safe to say that. So I want to talk about low code and no code. So let's start with no code first. Um, you right. know, you hear this phrase this hashtag you know no code and which is effectively saying to folks you know you can build an app get in the app store get in itunes the app store get in google play wherever and not have to write code is is it really no do i still have to know css do i still have to know html or is it really dragging you dragging around buttons and dropping them into where you want them great no that's a great question and the short answer is with sandbox commerce, it is a no code solution, no code, which means that you can sign up and drag and drop your way to building an app that's launched to both app stores. Um, and you can, you can build out that app using our interface within 30 minutes. Um, usually it takes about um, a week or two for the app stores to approve it, um, but you're not doing that. Our client success team at sandbox commerce is doing that. Now, um, at, um, at tools, using tools like Webflow and Bubble, and there are a handful of others that are crushing it right now. I think Webflow is on, on track to be a billion dollar company if it's not already. Um, now, they're, in my opinion, considered low code solutions. Um, so there's a degree of dragging and dropping, but to really fine tune um, the solution, 
you, you'll need to know a little bit of CSS and JavaScript uh, and or JavaScript. Um, uh, and, but one thing that I can talk, that, that I admire about uh, Webflow is that what also makes them successful for less technical um, users of the platform is they have a ridiculously rich resource library of videos and they, I think they have something called Webflow Universities to where if, if you're non-technical even, and you're trying, you, you have the time and energy to spin up on, you know, uh, without having a computer science degree, you can modify the user experience by using the, the, the resources they have. And frankly, that's where we wanna be. And that's where we plan on being with, with uh, Sandbox Commerce. But low code and no code, the difference is, is that with no code, the promise is, is you can build complex technology without running a line of code, uh, check out Sandbox Commerce if you're a retailer that uses Sandbox, uh, Shopify or Big Commerce. You can you can prove me wrong if uh, if you like. Uh, but Webflow is a tool, it's a low code solution that allows you to do that as well. So you've got you know retailers with physical locations who've had to iterate to years ago, let's say a decade ago, to build websites, or maybe two decades ago now to build websites, and then they had to have an app. And now you've got social and now you've got people selling directly via Instagram. Like, and I, let's, I just want to run my business. I just want to sell my t-shirts. I just want to sell, right. you know, my eyelashes, whatever, like whatever you like, I just want to sell my stuff. Like where should I be focusing my attention? If I'm not, if I don't want to, this is the next thing. Now I got to go do that. Cause you just told right. me a year ago, I had to have an app. Now, right. now you're telling me I got to have my Instagram store popping. Yes. So, I mean, I think that, you start with the fundamentals. You start, you know, where you are and you look at the resources to include time that you have at your disposal and you do the best that you can at that. And then you try, you measure everything. You measure engagement, you measure responses, you measure sales. Um, you know, um, Sandbox Commerce, we have a tool in beta right now called Sandbox Social to help bring your shoppable Instagram um, outside of Instagram and, and incorporate tagged images and blog posts and things like that. That is for the more advanced and kind of the, the more mature business um, or influencer. You know, if you're looking to sell t-shirts or hats, you should, I would, I would advocate first that you use a tool like Shopify or BigCommerce to build out a website because you, you really need to have a website so that you're not getting um, uh, taken advantage of by the fees that tools like Amazon might charge. Um, right. So I would start with a website and I would make that the best representation of what you're selling. And then once you are firmly established um, and you're you've proven out the potential of the website, then you begin to keep your head on the swivel and look at other opportunities to, you know, double down. But don't over don't it's, it doesn't need to be that complicated um, as far as, um, you know, doing everything at once. Um, now. When it's time to build an app, you should certainly look at Sandbox Commerce because you're going to save a lot of time, a lot of money, and you're also going to keep the money in the community. And so, all for all these reasons, it's a no-brainer to use Sandbox Commerce. Um, and there are other tools I can provide you with a list offline, Will, of tools that you that you may want to also keep in in mind to share with you some of your guests later on on future episodes. Well, let's do that now because I I wanted to talk about like what are some uh, if, if let's say I just I'm, I don't want to be the biggest you know. I don't want to be an engineer, but I want to learn how to run my retail store better. Right. And so as, uh, other than Sandbox, which we are getting educated on here, what are some other tools 
softwares and the other things that you know about, particularly black on, you know, if you got Upsy or Jaw Throw, go ahead and throw in there. Shout so, out to Upsy. Yeah, shout, shout out to Upsy. Yes. Upsy for yes. real. Like, yes. Um, so, so you've got exactly. that. Let's talk about other tools that help me as a black owned entrepreneur running a lifestyle company. Maybe I'm running uh, a barbershop or, you know, I've got my t-shirt, you know, business popping. What are some other tools I need to be aware of to help me scale my operation and run it more efficiently likewise? Yes, yes. And I'm trying to, there's, I'm just pulling up a few, but um, yeah, so there is, there is Clavio. Uh, now Clavio is not black owned, but in my opinion, it's one of the best tools to help you prioritize engagement with uh with your brand and so i would certainly say that clavio is a tool when it comes to you know email marketing and sending sending uh and engaging with the shoppers that that, that um, are engaging with your brand i would certainly say that you should you look at you look at clavio um the now list uh, which was a, a recently acquired by um revolt media uh, one of p diddy's um uh, uh companies uh, there, they were, I, I don't know the name of the new company that bought them, but, um, Khadijah over there is, um, pure gold and she's innovative and apparently got the attention of, of revolt and, and pub daddy. So she's got, you know, she's, she's, she's smarter than me as far as that's concerned. But, but I would definitely say that the now list is if you want to list your product and, and be included in a list of products that is being exposed to other people who are conscious and want to keep the money in the community, I would certainly um, suggest that you um, list your product in the knowledge because it's an instant, you, you'll, it's instant eyeballs and instant attention to what you're up to. And now, just so now, people understand that, because just, just for clarity, it's the Nile list, N-I-L-E, because it, it sounds -E. like what you're saying now. So that's want to make people know it's the Nile. That's correct. N-I-L-E list. The, yes, it is the Nile list. And the name of the the uh, acquiring company um, is called Shop Circulate, um, and so check that's them Diddy's out company. on Instagram. Yeah, that's Diddy. That's Diddy. Yeah. That's it's, there. You are there. You are, and so you know any connects there would be would be welcome. But I definitely think that's another company that uh, that you should be looking at listing your products in. Uh, other tools, a competitor to um, Clavio is going to be Mailchimp. Um, I would consider Clavio uh, Mailchimp. Now we talked about shoppable Instagram. It's, it's if you want to be if you want to sell products, uh, if you're a retail, you want to sell products. Obviously, the first the first choice in the the ideal location that customers purchase your product from is your web page or your mobile app because you retain as much of the uh, a much uh, as much of the um, profit from the sale if you own if it's if they're shopping on your property. But you should also you know, highlight products on Shopple Instagram. You can tag images so that people can purchase a product while they're shopping their grid. Um, I think that's imp important. And, um, and you know, there's a, a, you know, Google Analytics, and I can talk all day about different types of integration partners that, you know, growing retailers should, should use, but those are the first that come to mind. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. 
State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. So obviously COVID has had a really big impact on e-commerce and retail as a whole. Um, e-commerce being a section of, of e-commerce, a sector of it, I, I should say. Um, what trends have you noticed um, are changed forever because of COVID and ones that particularly black entrepreneurs who are working to sell online can get positioned for if they not if they haven't already missed the boat like what can we do to take advantage of this moment so prior that's a good question prior to prior to covid there was like a slow trend toward um shopping and engagement on mobile phones and frankly um toward the and toward the inception in the beginning the early days of sandbox uh, the need for mobile a mobile app for retailers um, was not as pronounced. I remember talking to early investors and they're like, why do retailers need mobile apps? And that was a cool thing to say in a meeting. Like that was like, a, they'd, they'd laugh at me in, in meetings say retailers don't need mobile apps. And, and I would point to trends that showed that, um, I would point to trends that showed that the percentage of, of Google Analytics traffic would, um, uh, for, for retailers was increasing month over month and year over year um, in the browser. And, uh, and in some time in the not too distant future, you know, uh, retailers would see and notice that they needed to provide better services and more optimized mobile solutions for consumers to shop on devices. And then came COVID. And I'll say, and I think that all of my peers in the space who have built and are growing technology platforms that 
are used by retailers can attest to this as well, that retailers will acknowledge today that they need mobile applications in order to be successful. Um, and the percentage of retailers that say they need mobile applications has accelerated over the uh, more than 10 years over the last one year. That's it. so. Uh, so um, every retailer at the beginning of COVID, almost any, every retailer expressed the need to having a mobile application to either help with curbside pickup, which we've revolutionized, as I mentioned earlier, or to help with providing, you know, uh, delivery um, and, you know, engaging with customers at a safe distance. And in the future, what we learned is that consumers have also um, gotten used to using technologies to transact even more so. Like, I'll tell you, I use my Apple Watch um, almost exclusively to make a purchase when I go to a coffee shop or, you know, even, um, you know, a Lululemon or that type of store. I use my Apple Watch. I don't hand over my credit card anymore. These are trends that will never change. Um, uh, and I think that uh, things like that will, um, you'll see that the more information will be will, will uh, be released, I think, toward the end of the year, kind of capturing some of the data that we've learned about the trends that are occurring in the industry. But I think that a, a preference to using technology to transact uh, will be one of the things that, that bears out. So, um... I love that you brought up that, you know, all these retailers are saying, you know, or experts, quote unquote, were saying retailers don't need apps, which you've obviously found to not be the case. They do need apps. Right. So now you've got us with apps. Will you got Will Lucas's app, you know, for Will Lucas T-shirts, right? Right. How I get people to download this app now? Because I'm now because there's so many people who have apps, particularly retailers who've spent a bunch of money probably not using your stuff, not using Sandbox, which they should have used, but <laughs> spend a bunch of money getting these apps done, but now they got to get the word out about go download my app. So how does that yeah. happen? Yeah, no, and I, I would, um, I, you should look at some of our customers, Shift Style House, Black-owned female brand, um, Her Treasure Boutique out of Atlanta, Black female, um, uh, awesome brand that, that's leveraging Sandbox Commerce to uh, promote their app. They're going to have, um, I think, more more um, accurate real time and and uh, first person type of feedback to support you that, to, to to share with you. Uh, but based on you know from the app uh, platform provider's perspective, here's what I'll say to that: a um, if you're just selling T-shirts, um, then at that stage, I would not necessarily have an app to, to, to sell T-shirts. So I don't need okay? the Lucas so, T-shirt app. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, no, no. So, <laughs> so, 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 hate to bust a bubble there, but right, I think right. that there there will be a point in which you know once you have a, an apparel line, okay. you need a mobile application, right? So right. I think that right sizing and uh, right sizing the problem with the with the particular audience is going to be important. I don't think that everyone needs a mobile app. I think that perhaps uh, Will uh, Will Lucas Black Tech Green Money, we can work together to, to hey. expand that expand the expand the product line, and we can get a mobile app for you. We can but, do that. Uh, but what I'll say is that um, uh, even once you have the mobile app, the mobile app is not meant for everyone. Like we're not building mobile apps for every one of your customers to use. What we'll, what I'll say to that is that we're building mobile apps for the twenty percent of your customers that generate the eighty percent of your revenue. Mm. those customer loyalists. In other words, our mobile apps are not for the window shopper. They're not for the person that's walking to the mall, 
isn't really into the brand or doesn't know who doesn't know who uh, Will Lucas shop Will is, it's for the people that that cut for you. They know exactly who you are. Yeah. They know when you're new when your new um, you know products are launching, and they want to be the first to get it right. And so, and typically that's your most loyal customer that's spending the most money with you. That's who the mobile app should for. And so it's really knowing who your audience is and then catering to your audience and providing them with the easiest way to transact with you. Legit, I love that. I love that answer. It's for the 20% who generate 80% of the revenue. It's not for the win. I love, I love that answer. And it's willlucas.co, right. Lucas by the way, for anybody trying to find me on willlucas.co. Oh, well, okay. My That's <laughs> that okay. Well, we can, we can set up the shop. We can set hey. up that shop subdomain, shop.willlucas.co.eth.eth. Hey. So you can start accepting that Ethereum oh, as well. You're going to have me, I'm going to have you another episode. We got to <laughs> talk about this. We have to talk about transacting it with crypto. So, ooh, oh, you, yeah. you just gave me an idea. Okay. All right. We'll have you back. Yeah. We'll have you back. You did touch on this. And I think this is so important for the time that we live in and it's data. All right. And we too often don't, particularly black business, not all of us writ large, but too many of us who are in business don't know enough about the metrics of our business, our customer profiles, the, you know, those, those metrics, those key performance indicators, we don't know enough. We don't know how to pull that data out of our transactions and our business operations. And we don't know enough about our customers. So those people who do pull the trigger on the shop, on the, on the buy button, we don't know enough, too many of us. Um, what are some simple things we can do? So if you were to give homework today, what would you say everybody with an e-commerce, uh, uh, a web store, um, what are some easy things they can do to start to understand, start, start to gather that data right. and help translate that data? Yes. Okay, let's go. So I would start with ensuring you have Google Analytics installed. Which is free. On your e-commerce store. It's free. It's free. And um, it's low code. You just need to copy and paste this snippet into your Shopify or BigCommerce backend. Uh, if you go to Google, when you set up Google Analytics, they will provide you with a snippet to copy and paste. And what that does is it tracks, anonymously tracks each of the users that is um, traversing your website. Um, from there, I would install another snippet, a, uh, a tool called Hotjar. And what Hotjar does is it allows you to, um, it, it, it effectively records a video of how customers engage with your website allowing you to see specifically what they look at, how much time they spent on every page of your website, what they're passing by, what they're focusing on. And it shows like a tracing image or line of the customer's journey and provides some more anonymous data about the customer. Um, and then I would look at potentially using a tool like Intercom um, to track user information. Um, uh, Intercom is a tool that lets you actually install a chat bubble that captures lead data um, and user data so that you can not only know who your customers are, but engage with them in real time on your website. Um, once you scale up and you feel like you've got um, your legs underneath you from a, again, again, from a, a web standpoint, I would ultimately install Sandbox Commerce. I'll tell you why I'm, I'm going full circle with this because the larger brands and retailers learned this a long time ago. Um, but what, what, what Sandbox Commerce is really doing for growing brands and retailers is helping them better understand 
who their customers are and allowing them to more strategically engage with their shoppers. So it's a, it's a little known fact that a customer who engages with a brand on a mobile phone using a mobile app shares more data with the retailer than if the customer actually went to the, to the physical store to shop. There are so many uh, attributes that are shared, everything from your location, your demographic, your name, what you looked at, what you have in your shopping cart, and being able to tie all that data together so that the brand and retailer, you as the shop owner, can correlate that information and engage with the shopper in a, in a manner that you are actually adding value to the shopping experience is invaluable and ultimately will lead to increased revenue. Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. And it's produced by Morgan DeBon and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Raven Nearborn. Special thank you to Micah Davis and Sakara Savanyan. You know, like the wine? Yes, that's his real name. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. We're also on YouTube if you're interested in the video interviews. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Go get your money. Peace and love. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians. Or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work. In traffic. So slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.